of ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome into today's show. It is uh, Game Week, East Carolina and Charlotte, Tuesday, October 17th. Still waking up on this morning, I guess. We are going early today on our live stream because we got the Mike Houston press conference at 1130. We'll talk to players as well, players to be determined uh, over at ACU uh, as we get ready for East Carolina Charlotte weekly press conference. Of course, we had the coaches show last night at Tiebreakers. Great crowd on hand for that. That was streamed on 94.3 The Game, broadcast on 94.3 The Game as well, streamed on WNCT. So uh, we talked a lot to Coach Houston about that. We'll talk more today as well, and we will preview East Carolina and Charlotte throughout today's show with Joe Sampson, who is back on a Tuesday. On and Tuesday. Uh, we're back on our, our normal schedule, Joe, of uh, weekly press conference being on a Tuesday. We had the bye week, and then we had – the Thursday night game. So things have been a little crazy lately, but back to normal this week, I guess, with uh, Tuesday. Normal's a relative term, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. East Carolina and Charlotte. So here's the deal. I uh, The teams are not playing well. We can talk some about the the matchup on the field. Right. Pirates 1-5, Charlotte 1-5. At some point in the program, maybe very soon, maybe in like three minutes, we're going to have more of a big picture discussion about ECU and Charlotte, can this become a legitimate rivalry in the American? So we'll talk about that throughout the show. I'm interested to hear the fans' point of view. If you're listening to this live, are you excited that ECU finally has an in-state team in the league? Does it not matter to you? We'll get into that discussion here shortly. We'll also get Phillip's take as he's from that area and uh, has some background. I don't know. Did you grow up a 49ers fan, Philip? I mean, I wouldn't really call it a fan, but, you know, we'd go to basketball games here and there. I mean, it was fun to go. We could go to baseball games. I mean, I'd pull for them, but a uh, fan, I think, would be a kind of an exaggeration term for what I was. So what you're saying is you were a Duke and Charlotte fan. Now you're trying to convert to ECU? No, I was a Duke fan, and when I had nothing else going on on a Saturday, I'd casually go to a Charlotte game. So, I owned, like, one hat. Duke fan, Charlotte 49ers enthusiast. Colorado State fan. No, Denver Broncos fan. You guys are just turning me into everything now. (laughs) The specialist. Yeah. How many different NASCAR drivers do you follow? One. One. Okay. Who's that? William Byron. Okay. Mm, Fair enough. All right. Well, we'll check in with you, Philip, when we get uh, closer to this discussion. Let's talk first. Let's get your take on SMU. I don't think we've had it on the air yet. Uh, if you want to go back down that road, thirty-one ten, and, yeah. and unfortunately, Joe, you know a lot of these players in the locker room. You know a lot of these coaches. Uh, just a tough time right now, man. One and five. Nobody wants to be here. And a familiar script. Yeah. Close game, fourth quarter. Not many points being scored. Eventually, the dam breaks and it goes the other way. And mm-hmm. we've seen this a few times now. It seems to be the story of the season, and it's an unfortunate thing to try and put a perspective on and and try and be that guy and be like, well, there's a silver lining here or any kind of thing you can see here that's not seen to the naked eye. But unfortunately for the Pirates, and when you give up two touchdowns in the first two offensive drives, those come back to haunt you and bite you, and you're sitting at a 17-10 game, you just kind of let off the gas and the big chunk plays hurt you. This is a SMU team that didn't get into the red zone once. It's hard to believe. They they did not have a single 
snap in the red zone. It wasn't like it was on the one and they ran a QB sneak or anything. These are all explosive plays. Then you've heard every coach say it, and I'll say it also. It's probably the best talent you'll see in the AAC this year, and that's a very tall task to try and determine. And this isn't an SMU team of old, as I said before. This was a defensive-built team, and that's exactly what they did was limit what you could do, stop the explosive plays, and stop us from trying to get out in space and get the ball to playmakers. It's just... What do you think is is going on in the locker room right now, especially from an offensive point of view? Because they have, yeah, they had the bye week. Mm-hmm. They tried some different things. And look, I know the results were the same, but they did use some different formations. Uh, we saw some more two back sets, which I yeah. called for. Uh, we did see some guys get targeted more. We did see Chase Sowell get fed the ball in the passing game. Unfortunately, Javius Bond got hurt on the opening kickoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can discuss that whether you know some fans say he shouldn't have been out there or not. But uh, either way, it's it's one of those things where the offense right now, you're half a season in, you kind of are what you are. So, like, right. where's the frustration level with the offense, you think? And to the people who are listening, I need to say something. And Mike Houston will say the same thing. Your best players play on special teams. And that was the case when Keaton Mitchell got here as a freshman, when Ryan Jones transferred in from Oklahoma. You have to have those kind of athletes on special teams in order to make plays. Ezekiel Elliott, the year that Ohio State won as the four seed in the college football playoff, had – the K5 on the gunner. He was running down and headhunting, and that shows what you believe in your special teams and your athletes. So I have no problem with Javius being out there, especially as a freshman, because that's the spark you need. You need that kind of playmaker, and he made four or five huge tackles the week before that. So I think it's one of those things, it's easy to second-guess after it happens. You know, there were some comments I will say, like, hey, even before he got hurt, should he be on special teams? And my thing was, he was... He was a safety in high school, and he played mm-hmm. almost as much as running back. So, like, yeah. I think he likes being on special teams. A, B, he's you know, people want him to make the starter, but he wasn't playing starting snaps mm. at running back. Like, Rajay is your starter. So, right. I get it. You don't want to lose an explosive piece like that offensively. Um, you know, we could have this discussion all day. I think either side is fair. Like, you don't want one of your more explosive players to get hurt on special teams, but he also just heard it rewatching it, just running – and he just pulled a hamstring. So that could have happened on a carry, mm-hmm. could have happened on a route. Um, obviously, he's running full speed to get down the field, but it's just one of those things that's unfortunate. The good news is we asked Coach Houston last night. We can ask him to, again today at the press conference. It sounds like nothing serious. He just tweaked something and, and could be back as soon as this week. I don't know yeah. if he'll be 100%, but that's the positive there. Um, I think, yeah, so offensively, do you feel like, you know, They've tried both quarterbacks. They've tried different receiver combinations. <laughs> like at this point, is these you kind of are what they are? Yeah, you are what you are. You know what your offensive identity is supposed to be at the part of this year. And unfortunately for them, this isn't a team that's going to run the ball well. And that's not something that Donnie Kirkpatrick or Mike Houston wants to hear. And I don't think they want to admit it. But your game needs to be those quick screens to the outside, getting Chase Soul the ball at intermediates at the third and 18 marks, and, and trying to get those kind of big chunk plays to keep a drive going. And when Bond comes back, getting him the ball in the wing and trying to get him in space. I mean, we saw Calhoun get targeted a little bit, but not to the extent that we need him to in order to get the first downs. And you can't throw him a flat route every three plays and expect him to go get 15 yards in a first. That's just not how the offense is built, and that's not what it's conducive to. And we saw, I think what we're going to see this week is probably a, a couple more screens, maybe some tunnel screens, something like that, to try and get the ball on the edge and get the numbers outside on the perimeter. But this offense just knows... 
hey, maybe this isn't going to work anymore. And unfortunately for them, and this is no slight on any of the guys in the locker room I've been there, you kind of know before they call it. You're like, I don't think this one's going to work. And you kind of have a feel for what the team can do and how the ball can get outside and what they can do to kind of get a first, I guess is the best way to put it, because you're not thinking end zone anymore. SMU, we talked about going to the game. Elite pass rush. Yeah. ECU struggles in pass pro right now, and the mismatch was evident. You combine that with quarterbacks who are still trying to 100% lock into making those right decisions, and when they make a wrong decision right now, it's very glaring, like the pick six, although you know you can argue Chase Sewell could have kept running. But I think either way, it wasn't Alex's best throw because mm-hmm. the guy was kind of right there. Uh, also, the fumble. I asked Coach Houston, was there an urgency to get on the ball and snap it last night at the the press or at the coaches show? He said they were trying to, but the guys, I guess they've been huddling up, so they went back to the huddle, and then by the time they tried to, it was too late. He did say he thinks they, in that situation, they would have buzzed down as soon as the snap was in a minute to review it either way. Yeah, and you know that's that's fair. But I, I thought early in the game, SMU did a great job. Really, Siobhan Revel made the only catch. Or gave up the only big catch he allowed. Mm-hmm. The second replay I showed, so the ball almost or could have hit the ground. It was it wasn't definitive on the fly, but they just ran down the field, got up to the line. Clearly had just a canned play ready to go, stretch yeah. run, and got up on it and snapped it. So is that something y'all work on in practice? Kind of be ready for stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. And you have your quick sets and what we call our tempo plays, and that's when you're kind of given a signal and you have kind of. Two different things to go off with. It's going to right or the left based on which arm is moving or what signal we're giving. Um, that's what you do in two minutes. So you, it's kind of the similar thing that where you scream tempo or rabbit, uh, I think is what our hot term was last year or something like that. And you're just kind of getting up there and, and trying to get a quick playoff. Uh, so to Coach Kirkpatrick, if rabbit's still in the playbook, I'm sorry, I just threw it out there. But I think they wouldn't. I think they're going a different term this I, year. I would hope so. But that's just the thing. So you know when you're working that in practice, and that comes on Thursday. So Thursdays are huge situational days for offense. Like you're okay. It's a minute fifteen left. You have two timeouts. We're on the forty. We need to get to this for a field goal, and that's what you run two minute drill that week. And so those kind of things come up, and and you have that in your back pocket. But I I mean I'm kind of at a loss for words to try and figure out how. Coach Houston didn't think they'd go back to huddle when they'd gone to huddle the whole game, which was surprising to see in the first drive. I've not seen us go to huddle like that the whole year, especially against a team that prides themselves on trying to be fresh on pass rush, and you'd think you would go tempo, and we slowed it down at 8 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe that was by design. And uh, did, did you see some more positive things from Mason Garcia, though, off the bench? I thought he played at what – you know – at times he played well. He still he kind of gets sped up at times too mm-hmm. when he's throwing the ball and he'll spike one. Um, and people say, you know, he's inaccurate that way. And technically, yes, but it's more mechanical, I think, where he just doesn't set his feet right. So, but I, I thought we saw some positives from Mason as well. I thought he played. You know, he, he led two scoring drives. Yeah, and I thought something to build off of. The, the only two scoring drives, yeah. might I add, which is another thing I, I didn't love going away from him. If you went to him and he's playing well, you ride the hot hand. Yeah, if he would have gone out there and thrown an interception or fumbled the ball, you could make the argument, okay, let's go to Flynn, let's try and get the energy back in and swing the momentum, especially because you don't have an established guy. But his X factor of leading the drive, of having the ability to kind of get out of there and get 15 yards with his legs, or putting the ball over on this side. I mean, that one throw he made to the outside, I think Sol couldn't get both feet in, but that's a beautiful ball. Yeah. 
the intermediate. I mean, it was in between two defenders. We called it level three ball because it's over two guys as opposed to on the seam. And that's, that's what he does. But they limited themselves as far as going back to it because Flynn's a game manager and Flynn went in there and he kind of started to check things down and get this ball to this guy in the flat. Maybe let's get this ball on the outside number of the cornerback to try and get the swing pass. And it just, it's not the same. So I really liked how Mason took over from it. I didn't love going away from him afterwards, but Flynn played well also. Yeah, I mean, if, I think if you take the turnovers away from Flynn, and that's yeah. been the biggest issue for Flynn, which is kind of strange to say because he seems like a guy who would be mm-hmm. av- averse to those turnovers. Um, and Mason, look, he should have had a pick, too. He threw one in the double coverage. Yeah. Pick. So it's not like Mason's out there playing a perfect game. It's not game. flawless by any means. Um, Chase Braswell says it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. The defense can read the offense like a book. Even as a fan, I can call every play before the ball snapped. Um, there, I did say, uh, and I tweeted it out, I think it was third and one. It changes this as a run up the middle. <laughs> SMU legitimately pinched the middle right before the yeah. snap, and ECU ran it up the middle for a one-yard loss. And I get it. Third and one, the most, you know, the most teams would call it run up the middle. But yeah, it's ECU, your guy versus our guy. ECU, their offensive front is not going to beat SMU's defensive front, and to just jam it up the middle in that mm. spot, um, not a not a great situation. But it is what it is. Uh, Last thing, and then we'll go. We'll take a break, and then we will come back and we'll discuss can Charlotte become a rivalry? Any gut feel at this point on do they go with Mason this week at quarterback, or is it still uh, I don't know day to day situation? I, I yeah. have no clue at this it, point. Honestly, it's, it's a day to day situation, and if it's a day to day situation, and we heard Coach Houston say it in the presser where he was like, "We'll play both guys going forward." I truly think it's whoever has the best week of practice is the one that goes out there to start it, and. I mean, we've heard reports, we've heard things that Mason didn't look good on this day or Flynn didn't look good on this day and, and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So it's just kind of been throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. At some point, do you just go with, hey, no matter how bad it looks on game day, do we just give Mason the entire game or Flynn? I, I think you have to, especially at this point where it's difficult to say. Pirate right. Nation's not going to want to hear it. If you lose this one, I think it's math. It either is run the table you have or to run the table. To make yeah, you have to run the table. So if you lose this one and lose the next one, there's truly no postseason you're playing for. At that point, you need to find out who's got what to go into the season next year and figure out what you did wrong and who needs to be the quarterback. So I don't know if it's this week, but if they lose this week, I think you have to start looking at it that way. Personally, I'd start Mason this week because you want to give them that opportunity to feel the crowd behind homecoming, feel the energy, get the guys with the energy on the offense to bring momentum, and that's something they failed to do. He is Joe Sampson. I'm Stephen Igo. We've got Philip Pilkin to produce as well. Let's take our first break. We'll come back. We will discuss can ECU and Charlotte become a legitimate rivalry in the American Athletic Conference, not only in football, but we'll talk basketball, baseball as well. And get into that discussion on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. We'll be right back. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hi, right, welcome back in on this Tuesday, October 17th edition of the show. Again, we are streaming early if you're watching our live feed because we've got the Mike Houston Press Conference. We do this every Tuesday in season. Uh, we're live on 94.3 The Game at 12 noon as well. Chase Braswell, he's dropping a lot of comments today. He says, unless you are the New Orleans Saints, Joe, a two-quarterback system does not work. I guess it depends on your talent level, 
Because Chris Leak and Tim Tebow did pretty good as a two-quarterback I'd, system before. I dare say so. I think that's a pretty accurate statement to say they were pretty good. And I think, look, I mean, if ECU, if one of these quarterbacks would step up and take the job, then, yeah, I mean, ECU would would hand him the keys for good. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, that's what Steve Logan said. And I trust yeah. that man's insight into football far more than my own. He said the same thing. He said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And he said, but nobody separated themselves. So. Steve Logan, I listened to Friday's Logan Zone, um, not to take this discussion a whole different level, but I thought it was interesting. He said basically to find the next quarterback, he admitted he, <laughs> yeah. he had no idea who was going to be the guy, so he would take he two just, to three each year. Just recruited and recruited, and one of them panned out. It makes sense because you look at the NFL, think about how many first-round mm-hmm. top ten picks are bust. Jamarcus Russell. And then guys who get, you know, you know who was picked over Patrick Mahomes? A number of guys. So yeah. it's just an inexact science. Mitch and Trubisky. It's the best way to go, really, strengthen numbers. Yeah. And so much of it is mental, and I think the competitive side of things. Obviously, you got to have the tools, but right. I think so much is mental that you can't really know until they get in your program. So I don't know. Interesting conversation there. Check out Logan's Zone. Every Friday, 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. All right, let's get into this discussion, guys. Can ECU and Charlotte become a legitimate rivalry? I have my doubts. I, uh, I'll i be honest. Going into this game, I've got – and maybe the, the records have a lot to do with it. <laughs> I've got zero anticipation for, like, welcoming Same Charlotte. Yeah, welcoming Charlotte to, to town for the first time. I have zero – I'm not excited next year to drive to Charlotte for a football game. Uh, I'm not excited about this this matchup. Now, in basketball, is a different story. I'm excited about ECU and Charlotte renewing in basketball. Football, I have zero excitement. What about you, Joe? We'll start with you. Do you think this can become something? Do you have any excitement in the short or long term for this rivalry? I'm going to anger a lot of people with this one. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere in Dowdy. I think the, the regional differences as far as how many Pirate fans were in Charlotte, and I don't want to say Charlotte fans, but there's a ton of Charlotte alumni who are just around the state because it's one of those bigger institutions that we have. It is a D1. But my worry is when you get to Charlotte, and Felipe could probably back me up on this, when you get into Charlotte's stadium, it's like a high school stadium. I think Wake Forest High School's actual stadium might be bigger than Charlotte as far as capacity goes. So the atmosphere will be completely different next year when they go to Charlotte. And granted, it'll probably be 70, 80% purple as opposed to the green and gold. But baseball, soccer, basketball, I mean, all those sports, even volleyball, are going to be one of those rivalries where you're like, okay, this is Charlotte coming in this week. And we saw the baseball games last year that were so close. And Charlotte's not a historically great team as far as what they did in Conference USA and all these different things. So I'm excited to see how that trends or trends in the other way as far as that goes with baseball and soccer and basketball will always be one of those big rivalries that you kind of think about when it's ECU basketball. Philip, what is your take on this on this newfound AAC? And we actually did this back in the summer. We did. Uh, we, we looked at every American team. We talked about it a little bit. Has your feelings changed at all? No, I think you know, kind of to Joe's point. I think basketball and baseball it's going to be there immediately. 
Um, I mm. think our history in baseball, especially with playing each other in the tournament a couple years ago, will definitely help that. As far as football goes, I think it might take a little bit of time because both programs are in a rebuild state and it's not as sexy of a matchup right now with both teams being one and five. But both teams have always wanted an in-state rival. Yeah. They've never had it. Both fan bases have always wanted an in-state rival, and they've never had it. And whereas, yes, Charlotte may not have a large number of fans, I know plenty of guys who have never missed a home Charlotte football game. Now, these are guys who were alumni from, like, the 60s that have been wanting this program to get a football team for 100 years, and they finally got one. And they don't even – I mean, obviously, they want their team to win, but they don't care that they're bad. They still show up. They still stay to the end. They still tailgate – Hard as ECU fans. These guys are crazy, the committed Charlotte fans. So I think those guys, as long as they can pull the younger generations along on the Charlotte side, they can allow this to be a rivalry. And I think there's enough ECU fans in Charlotte. They're going to tick off those people enough to make it turn into a rivalry over time. They're going to be mad next year when we show up and it's 70% purple in their JV high school stadium that they've got (laughs) over there. So I, I think it definitely has potential. It will take a little time. But uh, it's what we need. I mean, like I said, we've never had a conference team really that we can drive to. Mm-hmm. When I when I was growing up going to games in Minji's, uh, the thing I remember most about when Charlotte came to ECU as a kid, I was probably 10 to 12 years old. This is like early 2000s when Charlotte was really good in basketball. They had the most annoying students that would come to <laughs> Minji's Coliseums and, and uh, basically create their own student section in Greenville. But it made for an awesome atmosphere, man. It was just like chance the whole game. It was uh, they were into it. They were, you know, that was back when they were going to the NCAA tournament all the time. Right. So, um, I I enjoyed it. I just don't know if that passion is there for football because they have really never been good. But it sounds like at least Phillips said there is some potential there. You know, what we really need guys is uh, we need a Biff Pogie, Mike Houston, <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know, like some sort of like a verbal, stare down. Yeah, we need like an altercation of some sort to really ignite this thing. And both we need like a you know, pregame comment. Give some, yeah. yeah, give some fan base, give the fan base something to rally behind. Like maybe Biff takes a shot at ECU this week, and then we can kind of get some. That's what we need to get this thing sparked. I right, get the ball rolling. Biff Pogie doesn't wear shirts. Start it. Yeah, we need like one of the dual press conferences. Like you exactly, talk about, like, stare yeah. down. Like we need to put them on a table next to each other, a middle podium, and it needs to turn into like you know when Ivan Drago and, and Apollo Creed almost got into it in the press conference. That's what we need. We do have this the thing where Mike Houston basically became the Charlotte head coach for a cup of coffee. For, yeah. yeah, and then ECU fired Scotty Montgomery just to offer him, and then he came to ECU instead. So maybe there's some resentment there from Charlotte. Do y'all remember that when, like, yeah. basically it was announced? You know, they were in the playoffs, James Madison was, and I can't remember who reported it, but basically they reported that Mike Houston had be, had came to an agreement. <laughs> Nothing uh, had been signed. And I, then they asked him after practice, and yeah. he was like, I haven't signed anything yet. I had two or three players who were on a visit to Charlotte at that point. Uh, there were friends of mine. They were like, yeah, like, we just heard about, like, Mike Houston's coming from James Madison. Like, he's going to be the head coach. I might commit. I was like, let's. <laughs> Let's wait a second. Let's see how that one plays out. And a good thing I, I did kind of look into the future there for him and go, hey, maybe you don't want to get stuck at Charlotte for what's coming next. But it was an agreement, and I think it was all, but he had gotten on a plane and signed the deal right. is what people had said. Like it was in the late hours of an agreement, and all he had to do was sign his name. And then big bad John Gilbert, baby. And then, yeah, so ECU, remember they had that. So the problem is they had the makeup game. 
for NC State, ECU did scheduled for after the regular season. So it was like conference championship week. They had to play NC State, and yeah. at that point, they were not going to fire Scotty Montgomery until after the game. And then ECU administration. And they did. <laughs> Dave Hart was at, yeah, working at the time. John Gilbert was going to be the AD. And they were like, we have to make a move now. They fired Scotty midweek, mm-hmm. two days, I think, before the. Yeah, I think that's what the guy said. Yeah, two days before the game. Before my time. Because they had to get Mike Houston. Yeah. And they got Mike Houston before Charlotte did. And uh, here we are. So what I'm trying to do is start start the rivalry. There we go. Um, so we'll, interested to see how many Charlotte fans actually show up. Like, are y'all expecting a contingent? Like a, a large contingent, I should say? I, I expect more than Rice. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm expecting a rice. decent amount of parents. A lot of the Charlotte recruits, yeah. they recruit the same area. Um as far as actual fans go, I don't think enough students, like I said, the younger generations are not behind the team. Mm-hmm. It's the older guys, and as much as those older guys are dedicated to going to home games, I don't know if they're as dedicated to going to road games. But I will tell you, I've heard for like two years now, ever since it was kind of rumored that Charlotte would move to the AAC, yeah. that all of the frat children will go sorority slash frat guys are very excited for the opportunity to come and root for Charlotte against ECU. So I think yeah. we could see an influx of students that we're not expecting, but I don't think they're dedicated fans. I think they're here to do what ECU does best, and that's tailgate. So I agree with you. So they will make it to Greenville. Now, it's a 2 o'clock kick, not a later kick, but will they make it to the game? No. <laughs> No, I, I agree. I think I no. they will still be asleep from Friday night because mm. I think they'll go to bed at about 5 a.m. That's and fair. they yeah. might wake yeah. up at 1 and mosey in for like a drive in the third quarter and then just leave. Maybe they'll see Dan Mullen at Dirty Dance. Maybe. Yeah, what if Dan Mullen just never left <laughs> Greenville? <laughs> he just becomes our new like uh, local celebrity. He hangs out. <laughs> the new downtown Dan. Parties. Downtown Dan. Hey, there it is. He can call some plays. Um,. I think so. Let me ask you all this: what 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 excites you more right now? East Carolina football playing some random AC school, FAU, Navy, or ECU playing right or uh, Charlotte? Excuse right. me. Obviously not. Uh, I think ECU Rice is lowest on the totem pole. But like, does ECU Charlotte move the needle for you any more than ECU versus UTSA or ECU versus North Texas next year? Or is it all the same? No, I, I think next year it'll be exciting just because that'll be such a unique atmosphere that I don't think we've ever kind of been in. This is where, the game at Charlotte? Yeah, next okay. year I believe it's at Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. And we've never had one of those things where we've gone on the road, and, except for the bowl game when everybody showed out against the Beach Chickens, which shout out to Pirate Nation for that one. But we've never gone to one of those away games where it's purple. And, like, it's a stacked atmosphere even though you're on the road. So that'll be a really interesting and different thing for, I think, all the guys to try and manage. Because normally when next year for yeah, that reason. Yeah, next year that'll be an interesting game for sure just to see how the emotions and the atmosphere kind of play into it. But, I mean, it's another game in Dowdy is really the way to look at it after yeah. all the stacked ones and the whiteout last year against Navy and how that was – Packed to the brim or NC State, which I think was record capacity. And the, you see those games, you, you don't really. Charlotte's not moving my, my needle on the ticker very far. Yeah, it's just kind of is what it is right now. And I do think it will develop over time. There was a time when East used to play at Duke and Wake. 
a lot, and those that would be kind of your purple right, games yeah. in the 90s and early 2000s. But it's just been so long since those teams have wanted to host ECU because they're scared. Yep. But hey, Wake's on the schedule to come. Duke. It's okay, Mac Sorry, Brown. Phillips. I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, good. It's okay, Mac Brown. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think ECU wants to play Duke right now in football. So. Probably not. But to answer well, the needle question, yeah. I would say it doesn't move the needle, but there's at least a tug on the needle. And the reason why <laughs> is because Phillips needle. It's, it's yeah. a toe. Well, and the reason wait, wait, why is it because, doesn't move the needle, but there's a tug on the needle. So. Well, because so there's, there's a potential for a start of okay. rivalry, right? Like there is no potential for us to ever have a rivalry with North Texas or FAU. Or you don't like rice? Here. I mean, I, I like to eat rice. I don't want to play Hogwarts anymore. I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, my aunt was in town the other day, and she's Thai, and she made me some really good rice. There you go. She had her authentic Thai food. There's a rivalry. But um, now, I think, at least with Charlotte, the only reason it, it like said, just moves it slightly is because there's potential for it to one day truly move the needle. And right. it's the only school I feel like that there is potential. Is it going to happen? Maybe, maybe not. But every other school, there is no maybe. It's just not. That's, so. a, that's a fair point. I think Charlotte ECU baseball this year will I'm deliver excited. right away. So, uh, given the hey, regional. Yeah. Do we get I a, will say, students uh, kind of rat on the stu- – well, per, uh, compliment the student section. A few years ago when Craig Keichel was the right fielder, who was Dallas Keichel's <laughs> cousin, <laughs> the student section was banging on trash cans in right field. Awesome. So awesome. that that might have started the uh, the baseball rivalry yeah. right there. Uh, do we get a home-and-home home with them then if they're a conference, or is it still – I think no. it's still – for baseball, yeah, it's just one because there's so many teams now. They womp, just do womp. Uh, yeah. one. You play each team once in the same season. Bring so. back protected rivalries. Yeah, yeah. No, because no, really no, then they'd make us play Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati's not in the conference. The American would find a way for us to play them eight times a year. Average playing Cincinnati seven and a half times a year over the past five oh, years God. in baseball. It got so, so tiring so after a while. Sick of it. Uh, all right, Chase Braswell, who is just lighting up the comments section. Uh, he says, plain and simple, if we lose or if we can't beat Charlotte, aka lose to Charlotte, it's time to clean house. He says, I love Coach Houston. Charlotte could not even score on Navy. It could be a good rivalry, but both teams have to actually be decent. So, kind of agrees with what we say there right yeah. now. Uh, year five, he says, Houston's recruits now. He hasn't shown he can recruit and develop even at JMU. Well, he was only at JMU three years. So, I mean, this is the first time he's been in a program this long. So, it's new territory for him. Um, and then he gets back into a lot of his other comments. He says, speaking of Navy, Owen Daffer hasn't missed a kick all year in North Carolina A&T. Hey, well, sometimes all you need is a change of scenery. And Owen was not a a bad kicker at all. He just missed the kick versus he, NC State and became mental. Yeah, missed kick versus NC State, got in his own head, missed the one versus Navy. People sent death threats out to him, yeah. literally. And any time that kind of happens, you can't separate work from your life, you're so far entrenched in what you think is going on, and right. everybody's against you. It was tough, man. He had to get out, and and Owen's a great kid. I, yeah. I don't know him as well as you do, yeah, or happy other, for other him. people, but like he always seemed like a class act, and unfortunately, <laughs> he just missed a kick at the wrong time. Yeah, he's just one of the most laid back dudes yeah. of all time. And uh, Chase says he was a great kicker. Right. He just got in his head. Which yeah, is very fair. Yeah. All right, so we're, so final thoughts: Charlotte EC rivalry football, not yet. Maybe in like five years. Yeah, foot, football thumbs middle, baseball thumbs up, basketball thumbs up. Yeah, and I guess soccer, volleyball thumbs middle. Because yeah. I don't, I don't know enough about Charlotte right. soccer slash volleyball, but I'm sure that'll mature into something. But at least they can finally get on a bus and drive to right. a conference matchup. So we'll see how it develops. This will be our first time, and we know Coach Houston. He's not gonna 
stoke the fires at his press conference no. against Charlotte. He'll say, uh, "I can try, but no." Yeah, something very <laughs> reserved. Now, Biff, on the other hand, fighting with pogies. I watched his entire twenty-four minute post-game press conference after Navy, and he was just like at a loss, and it was. Dude, he's he just tells like it is. He's which awesome. Is awesome. So. Uh, We'll see what he says. I don't know when their pregame press conference is or if they air it or what, but we'll keep an eye on that and see if he says anything controversial. If so, we'll tweet it out. Oh, yeah. We'll let you know. Stoke the fires. All right, we'll come back. We will continue on. We have to address the fact that a certain Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week hit, and it concerns Joe Sampson's New York Jets. We'll discuss that on the other side. We'll talk some NFL We'll look around college football as well, maybe the American MLB playoffs, a little bit of everything to wrap up this show. This is Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me. Happening. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the show on this Tuesday, October 17th edition of Hoist the Colors. It is, uh, it's been a fun show, all things considered. We're trying to figure out if East Carolina and Charlotte can become a legitimate rivalry if you're tuned in. I say rivalry weird. Rivalry. You're just Southern. Rivalry. Can it become a legit rivalry? A family. A family. <laughs> Charlotte like, joins a family. That's how they talk out there when they go to D.H. Conley, I guess. That's, that's how we do it, man. D.H. Country, baby. Representing. Holton, call in. Let them know. Uh, I would say something about Rose, but I can't do it on the air. So, uh, and hey, 94.3 the game. Don't we carry Rose, Rose football games on Friday? Yeah, we are yes, the flagship yeah, station so of Rose I can't, football. Can't hail on Rose, go Rampants. Uh, wow, I didn't know he was going to take it that far. Somebody to all of his somebody high school friends, that. teachers, and coaches, he just said go Rampants. Known yeah. JH Rose supporter, Stephen Igo. Wow, yeah, I'm getting that cut out. Hey, man, whatever it takes. How's the uh, Panther Creek doing, by the way? I don't know. You don't know? No. I haven't followed him since I left, seriously oh, yeah. speaking. Uh, they played my little brother's high school because he went to Cardinal Gibbons yeah, one time in the playoffs, and we called that like the big revenge game. He's one of the coaches that may or may not have been very nice to me or my brother was so still there. Panther Creek proud alumni? It's it's complicated, uh, complicated conversation. Proud alumni for different reasons. So the Panther Creek... Catamounts. Catamounts. Can't be Panther Creek Panthers because BCP would be the abbreviation, okay. and that's a no-no. <laughs> I was going to text you last night and say, how can you be called Panther Creek but also be called the Catamounts? So. That's why. It makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. Um, so New York Jets win a football game. They take down the unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles. Anson Belt and Buckle lock of the week. I had the New York Jets not only covering but winning outright. Garrett Wilson said after the game, according to NFL's Twitter account, there's a video of him. Saying no one believed but the Jets. Well, Garrett, you're dead wrong. You should have been listening to this show. I know you're a little busy preparing for Philly and uh, the Jets up in New York, but in reality, if you listen to 94 through the game, you would have heard that Stephen Igo believed and the Anson Belt and Buckle hits. The Jets win. Congrats. Congratulations. To your. Uh, are you, wait, are you saying congrats to yourself? Or no, I'm uh, congratulating Garrett Wilson. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you can congratulate me. It's okay. Congrats Garrett to, played. Congrats to you. I just saw a video of you chanting J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Nothing but it. And uh, you got to feel pretty good, man. Hey, man. We're contenders now. I don't need to get into my get-up. I don't need the backwards jersey anymore. I don't need to try and say anything that people don't already know. We don't have a franchise quarterback right now. And we are sitting at 3-3 three and three going into the bye week. 
you take away one bad pass interference call and one bad, bad fumble, and we are literally sitting at 5-1 and one without Aaron Rodgers. And he's throwing. And he's throwing 30 days after popping his Achilles what is like he it doing? was a tire. I feel like that's not sustainable. The, the speed bridge, something dolphin noises, something yeah. ayahuasca, whatever it is. Whatever he's doing, keep doing it, Aaron. We'll see you week 14. Philip, contender or pretender are the New York Jets, what would you say? If they were in the NFC, I'd give them contender. Fair enough. But the AFC is just too stacked. Sorry, Joe. Wow. I, I say we're in like that happy medium between contender and pretender, though. We're like right in the middle level. Yeah. We're not like the Jags. The Jags look terrible week in and week out, and they're still. So is Aaron Rodgers legitimately going to yeah. try and come back? Like, what is he doing? Hey, man. The, this is the same guy who went into a darkness retreat right. for a week and decided if he was going to keep playing football. I don't want to know what's going on in that mind. I don't want to know what conspiracy theory he's trying to confirm about JFK and the vaccine and whatever he's trying to connect the dots with, like it's that map from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't want to know. All I know is the gang did not stay undefeated. Book that. The New York Jets are back, baby. Uh, wait, is he not on season-ending IR, though? No. Oh, he's not. I don't believe so. IR? I believe he's on normal IR. He would have to be the first player ever to come back from just tearing your Achilles. Mm-hmm. Same season. Same season. They said with the speed bridge or something that he's like at a certain point that it matches up to what normal uh, Achilles repair timeline would be. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not even going to try. Dr. Joe Sampson. No, that's what nope. added to the resume. You played no, every that's, position. That's Dr. Flynn. You played 18 different sports. <laughs> And uh, so we, we got your insight yeah, there. Try to be can well-rounded. We, can we get Alex Flynn on just to talk yeah. about Aaron Rodgers' Achilles? I mean, honestly, if yeah. we want to I mean, count it, fun. I watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Does that count? I mean, everybody's That's a doctor so. in that way. Oh, my goodness. They can diagnose anything. Somebody coded on the table at that point. It's like that joke. I'm just totally off topic. I'll be quick. Have you ever seen the one where it's like you're on Spirit Airlines, somebody has a heart attack? Like, you see any doctors? It's like, no, they fly on the nice airlines. Yeah. Has anyone ever gone to medical school? No, they go all the way down. I, and some girls, I watched Grey's Anatomy once. And they're like, <laughs> you're qualified. More qualified than most, I'll say that. Oh. What, uh, Scott Lorbatcher on YouTube says, wonder why Rodgers isn't doing pregame ghost reps like Russell Wilson used to do. Because uh, we win football games. I mean, I That's, that's my answer. That. The, we, we win football games. The Denver Broncos are a pathetic franchise right now. Hey. And so are the Carolina Panthers. Phillip, the wah, Panthers wah. fall to 0-6. Contender or pretender? Carolina Panthers. They are a contender for the number one pick, yes. Even though they don't, <laughs> oh, they have, don't it. have it. Oh, they don't have it. They are a contender to give the Bears the number one pick. I will say this, though. If there's any division in the NFL where they could actually still wind up making the playoffs, it is the NFC South. I mean, I get what you're saying, but the Bucks have not looked bad. No, the Bucks haven't looked bad by any means. But, like, but they put a- on the creamsicles and look like the Bucks. I don't know, but the Lions are a good team, man. The Lions are a very good team. I, I yeah. I might. I might. I get what you're saying, up. Joe, but I think their schedule is favorable <laughs> enough down the stretch six. for them to still win five games. I'm I'm but just saying if if they, we sit here and all of a sudden January hits and it's like oh my god if the Panthers win they're in after a miraculous I NFC feel like South run. Every Panthers season though, like they win three games it's in the a NFC row, South. and yeah. it's like oh man, the Panthers are a three game winning streak right, right. from making the playoffs, yeah. and then they lose to hey, like man. the Cardinals. I'm a Jets fan. I've lived in delusion for 15 years. Yeah, but I, I you're saying I don't think that's going to happen with the Panthers. I do think they're not like I'm not worried about going over though. Like <laughs> the schedule, really, with the exception of New Orleans, they've played five pretty darn good football teams. Well, okay, maybe not Atlanta. 
So they've played four well, out of the six teams they've played are good football teams, it, really good football. Atlanta's what? Uh, are they? Are they three, three and three? And three? Or four and, four they're two. three and three. I don't know if they they lost the skins. Yeah, this week. so three and three. So yeah, but I still think that their schedule's been pretty easy. I'm no, not I, high on Atlanta or New Orleans. Every other team they've played, I think, is a really good football team: Seattle, Detroit, yeah. Miami, and whoever I'm leaving out, uh, Minnesota. So I think with how bad the schedule is on the back half, yeah, I mean, I think that f- five wins is not crazy. Yeah. Minnesota's like eight points away from being three and three. I think it is. Is what the status with Minnesota's the, like eight points away from being undefeated. They lose every game by like two points. Yeah, I'm just looking at these NFL standings right now, guys. I don't know who's good. <laughs> I am mean, just being dead honest. Like the Jaguars uh, are four and two. Are the Forty Niners, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. The Eagles and the Lions. That's that's Those all I'm ready teams. to crown is good. But I was high on Dan Campbell last year. Keaton Mitchell, we saw him on special teams for the Ravens, but no offensive snaps, I don't believe. I know he didn't get a touch. Not so. to my knowledge. But he was he was a gunner on punt, flew down the field every time. Yeah, and, uh, he's down two or there. three penalties against him yeah. because people have to hold him. He's so fast. So, I mean, he. I feel like he's got to see some snaps offensively because their running game looked absolutely dreadful. I mean, they, were just, they were running Justice Hill and Gus uh, Edwards up the middle for Gus one yard. Edwards. Time and time again, I'm Todd like, Keaton Mitchell. It's time for Keaton Mitchell. Isn't Todd? Is Todd Monken really those? Yeah, I think him and Donnie are pretty tight. Like no lies. So are they actually? I'll ask him today. Yeah, let him know. Oh, or Thursday. I'll ask Donnie Thursday and be like, "What do you? What's your relationship with Todd Monken?" Wednesday. Or Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Just ask him every day until he. I'll answers. just text him. So until he responds. Speaking of answer about buckle locks of the week, you guys busted. Um, you went tight end, touchdown, Travis Kelsey, Shane Calhoun. They did combine for like a lot of yards. 70 receiving yards, but <laughs> a lot zero of touchdowns. Phillip, and I said that he went out on a limb. Apparently he did. He picked 49ers over Browns, and the Browns with old boy, uh, what's his name, Panthers? P.J. Walker. Yeah, former Temple quarterback. Old buddy P.J. Walker leads the Browns to victory thanks to a missed field goal. Browns going to uh, Browns. P.J. Walker is, like, randomly good. Mm. I will say the Browns' defense might be the second best in the they AFC. Are they are unstoppable right now. I think they've hold the, what is it, like 16 points average between them. Uh, it's something really low, but their defense looked good the other day. They we had good. William on the intern yesterday on Patrick's show. Mm. He's a Browns fan, and he was like talking about the punter's net stats and how like he flipped the field every time, was constantly putting him inside the twenty. So that was like a three phases of the game win. That's a Browns. football guy. That's yeah, a that's football a football guy. guy right that's there. a football guy. He was raving on the punter. Craig Littlefield, by the way, says Dolphins. Yeah, we can't forget the Dolphins are a good team. And we'll see. Yeah. The, I'm not ready yet. We'll what see. worries me about the Dolphins is they're the most fan. dangerous team in the league, but they're the most vulnerable team in the league because nah, man, they, they up if Tyreek Hill rolls his ankle, the offense will sputter for a little bit because without Tyreek going and taking the space, they can play more things over the top. He can't take the top off the defense. They can stack the box. They can stop the run. I'm not saying it. Shannon Sharp said it that Tyreek Hill is the most valuable player in the NFL besides a quarterback. I'm not disputing that, but what I'm saying is they're extremely vulnerable if he's not 100%. Yeah, I mean, they are injury-prone. If they get hurt, mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're pretty and screwed. Their defense, I mean, went down 14 nothing to the Panthers, for God's sakes. All right, yeah. got to get a break in, but before we do that, is it amazingly awesome that the Patriots are awful? God, I love it. But it's going to hurt us when Caleb Williams becomes a Patriot and that we have to true. live in that hell for 25 years. So we need the Patriots to win a couple games. And we need the Broncos to keep losing. 
That way they can draft Caleb Williams. We did our part. We lost one. We did. We did our part. So what's going to happen when the Bears get the number one pick? And either their own thing or the the Panthers. Yeah, they're gonna trade Justin Fields. They got to, man. I, I think Justin Fields is just not. I think the experiment. Two over. years, obviously, they haven't finished the second year. But if it's trending like this, I think you trade Justin Fields for, you know, what third, fourth round pick, whatever you can get, and then you just draft a quarterback and your best defensive player because they're gonna have two top options. You're gonna take Marvin Harrison. It's just whether he's going at two or yeah. one. Yeah, so I mean, like that's that's the pick. If you take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison back to back, it should be fine. You should, you're gonna be good for a while. DJ Moore. Like, yeah, you, you, yeah. Just, so then you all of a sudden you got fine. an offense. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show. We may just talk NFL because there's right now I don't have a lot to say about ECU. Uh, uh, you know, so we'll get into that discussion, and uh, we got a few comments on Facebook we need to get to as well. So this is Hoisted Colors on a Tuesday. We'll wrap it up. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. Jacob, the 94.3, the game. Hey, welcome back into the show. Wrapping it up on this Tuesday. We got a couple of comments. We talked about ECU Charlotte earlier. Could it be a rivalry? Burt Ward on Twitter says, yes, Charlotte may not be very good right now. Watch out. It's only a matter of time before they establish themselves as a good football program to contend with. I mean, I definitely think with the money Biff Pogey is putting into – uh, the program that yeah. they're going to be good shortly. It's just a matter of getting all those things worked out. Tony Hicks on YouTube says, being a lifelong Browns fan and bleeding purple for ECU football, or for ECU, football has been a tough time for years now. Sorry, Tony. Tony, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for your loyalty. Thanks for your loyalty. Joe feels your pain as yeah. a Jets and uh, hey. former ECU football player and Panther Greek alum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We went 0 11 my junior year. We're going to have to talk about that off the air. What is the root of your Panther Creek hatred? Not hatred, but uh, bittersweetness, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people left. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, all right. So Craig Littlefield says Carolina has a good defense. He's talking about the Panthers. Do you agree with that, Philip? What was that? Sorry, I was looking at. He says the Carolina Panthers have a good defense. What? <laughs> Two years ago, when they had the second-best defense in the league, they had a good defense. Last year, they had a solid defense. The defense has been abysmal. They've put up 42 points each of the last two games. I think but, Derek Brown's the most underrated D-tackle in the league. But, yeah. And but, I don't know if good is a, a term. No, Sorry, they are Craig. horrible. We've I mean, agreed for a lot of things. The offense score the rest of the game because they could never get in a groove. They'd get two first downs, punt, pin the Dolphins deep, and all they needed to do was get a three and out. Offense was kind of in a groove, and they would let up a nine-minute drive and let up like three third and tens. It was freaking horrible. No, oh. their defense is abysmal. All I know is, as much as he has a complaint, I have a bone to pick with Adam Thielen, and that's because for the first two weeks, he didn't show up at all. I cut him in fantasy, and now I'm eating those words. Yeah, because Bryce Young can't throw the ball anywhere else. But. Craig also says we'll it's more it. because of the offense. This yeah. The offense hasn't looked that bad. I don't get why everybody's so down on the offense. Yeah, it hasn't been great, but like I've, <laughs> okay, listen, I've talked to listen, I've talked to Doug Martin and I've talked to Steve Logan. And this they is both true. Say These that are like two very qualified people. Yeah, that Bryce Young is progressing well. Offense has not looked that bad. That everybody needs to chill out on Bryce Young. They know more than us. All right, guys, good discussion. Always enjoy talking NFL. We'll get more into ECU Charlotte. We'll also have the cross-country head coach on tomorrow's program, along with Bobby Howard. Uh, the cross-country team is hosting the conference championship this weekend at ECU, so we'll discuss that. 
tomorrow's show as well as EC Football with Bobby. We'll talk to you then, 12 noon on Wednesday. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.